Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one stop. And, you know, being a shop that's very sports-focused like this one is, place is hopping. I don't think they're sports-focused so much as they're just such a cool place to watch a game. Well, yeah. But so, and people, so, people kind of get used to the group that's here. That's fair. But I, I guess compared to typical Monday nights where it's dead in here. We couldn't have got an Ohio State fan in here Saturday night with a summons. Oh, I bet. The the most, okay, and I know you know who I'm talking about. Yes, I do. The most obnoxious, verbose Ohio State fan in the world. Uh-huh. He would not even show up yeah, here. Yeah, I believe it. I believe on it. On Saturday night. <laughs> so, but great, by the way, great weekend of college football. It was. I... My my in-laws and so my brother-in-law and his wife and then my wife's parents all went to the Chick-fil-A Bowl yesterday. And so that was the... the Ohio State, Georgia yeah, was the Chick-fil-A okay, Bowl. Okay, yeah. So they, and, you know, my brother-in-law is, is an alum of Georgia. And so that was... It was fun getting to see them enjoy. You know, they go to that bowl game every year, but they don't usually get to see Georgia play. So no. it was really exciting to to get to to see oh, it from their did, perspective. Yes, I would have liked to have seen Georgia blow them out fifty-eight to nothing. Yeah, I would have enjoyed that tremendously. But also seeing them just barely beat them and having a good game to watch the whole time, that yeah. was pretty nice, too. Yeah. There's a picture circulating in my family right now of, of my mother-in-law at the final seconds. And just everybody in the entire stadium is up, and they're just, like, unbated breath, waiting to see what happens. And then you just look at my my mother-in-law's sitting down head in her hands just so nervous she can't watch (laughs) (laughs) i thought you was gonna say asleep i thought you were gonna go the other direction no this woman is a football fan like you wouldn't believe well i actually our oldest georgia fan here dave one of our georgia diehard georgia guys i actually had to ask his forgiveness because I would really like to see TCU win it all. Mm, you're going to need my forgiveness for that. Okay. If Georgia wins, yeah. it's another trophy in Georgia's case. Uh-huh. If TCU wins, it changes everything for that school. It changes everything for the people. I thought a socialist like you would be all over this. I it hate cha- TCU. There's a, there's, an old, there's a rivalry that goes back on that. I hate TCU. But Texas Christian University, they're they not. They're not. They changed their name. They're not even a Christian school anymore. It's just TCU. Okay. They did that about 15, 20 years ago. But this, so this blows, you know, I had to endure hours of old dudes telling me how NIL was going to ruin college football and how the best were going to just buy the best players and that's all that was ever going to be in the playoffs and yada, 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 yada. If TCU wins, they have to eat their words. That's true. And is that not just a great thought? Is that not just a wonderful... I guess if it was anybody but TCU... If it, if it was any, if it was Utah... If it was any other small school in the country you'd be in? I'd be in. Okay. I literally just hate TCU that much. I, I can understand and respect that. I yeah. can understand that. But I had to ask Dave. I said, Dave, 
you know, my, here's my rooting or I root for the University of Tennessee. I root for whoever's in the SEC, and then I root for whoever's against Ohio State. Right. That's my pecking order of rooting. And But I'm having to break that pecking order one time because I would love to – I would love to see everyone that climbed up on their high horse about every, NIL money have to eat those words. Every every March, we get the Cinderella story in the basketball tournament, right? But we never get that in football. Right. So this is that. It, it's that for you. And I, well, and I get that. And it's, it's so much harder to do it in football than Oh, yeah, basketball. for sure. You know, it's, it's such a – the margin for error in basketball because of the just sheer number of games and right. the number of people that make it into the playoffs is so much smaller. The margin of error in football is razor thin. Yeah, you've got to be a no-loss team. Pretty yeah. if, if you're not going to have a schedule like a Georgia or an Alabama, you've got to be a no-loss team. And that's yeah. hard to pull off no matter what conference you're in. Absolutely. But okay, enough football. Let's talk about our cigars. About time. Um, I am so excited about this. I was I brought this last well, so we haven't recorded in two weeks. And I was supposed to smoke this cigar last time we met up. You were gracious enough to hand me a, a padron. Sorry, somebody just let a donkey into the <laughs> shop. I don't think it's coming through nearly okay. as bad as we think it Some is. Some people laugh just like a jackass. <laughs> and that, <laughs> did that not In sound more ways exa- than one. Did that not sound it exactly did. like a donkey? Sorry. Um, this is this was gifted to me. I did not pay the sixty five dollar retail price point for this, but this is the Placencia Special Edition for the World Cup. I had. I, I was not expecting to get to smoke one of these cigars. I'm, I'm not going to drop that kind of money on a stick. I'm sure. Uh, but this was a Christmas present from a, a, a fellow cigar smoker who knew I would appreciate it. And I'm just, I'm tickled and I cannot wait. It's a sun-grown jalapa wrapper inside. There's Honduran binder and Nicaraguan fillers. All from the Placencia factory. Yeah, the price tag on that thing was out of this. What was it? Sixty bucks. Sixty-five. Yeah, that's out of that's out of the question for me. We're going to talk about expensive cigars later. Um, a even bo- a box was six fifty. Came in yeah. a box of ten. Six hundred and fifty dollars for a box of cigars. If I won the lottery, I would not spend that much on a box of Placencias. I I told we, we were talking about this when it first came out, and I said if the U.S. made it to the final game. I might buy one. No, not but, a, I, but I like soccer. But yeah. I mean, it was I could I wouldn't even say I definitely would at that point. I'm saying that's the only scenario in which I might do it. Well, I've seen they came in here and I've seen several of them smoked, and I'm interested to see what your opinion of it is. There's been kind of an overwhelming consensus on that cigar, and I'm interested to see if your opinion of that cigar will will fall in line with the company lines that we've been seeing here or how how that's actually going to break down will be interesting to find out so i'm smoking the leaf by oscar sumatra this is my wife's favorite cigar um i goofed around and grabbed the wrong size i grabbed the gordo instead of the toro i should have grabbed the toro that's what i prefer to smoke this in yeah but here my one complaint about the leaf by oscar is the leaf yeah because, okay, if you are going to wrap it in a leaf and make the size impossible to guess from the outside, then make the writing taller than one micron high 
yeah. where it says Toro versus Gordo. Yeah, I I get that. I, I'm not a per, personally, I'm not a huge fan of that stick. I just it doesn't do a whole lot for me. But I think the branding is it, it amazes me that nobody else has done it since or before or since. It's such a great. I don't even want to say marketing gimmick, because, but it's just such a great display piece to have that raw tobacco leaf around the outside of the cigar. Now, here's my question. We talked about plain packaging and cigars and all. If, if we had, if they ship leafs to Canada or some other communist country where they have to do um, plain packaging. Yeah. Does the leaf have to change? Do you have to take the leaf off and put a plain package on it, or was the leaf qualified? Oh, that's a good question. I have no idea. I want Any, anybody listening in Canada that I didn't just run off. Um, yeah. <laughs> shoot us a message. I'd like to know if the leaf's still in the leaf come Canada, or if they have to change it. Actually, I'll probably see. I'll definitely, if I don't see the rep before, I'll definitely see them at the show. And I'll make a note to ask that question if when they send it to somewhere where you have to have plain packaging, do they have to take it out of the leaf? They may just not ship anywhere and haven't had to deal with it yet. Yeah, may, may not be an issue that they've had to, to come from. So our first article from Walt Disney World News Today. <laughs> well, we're going deep. What's funnier to me about the fact that you pulled this article is the fact that this article exists not just in Walt Disney World News Today, but all, that Half Wheel covered it up. Aficionado covered it, too. Did they really? Yeah. I, I don't understand why this is news. So, to, to answer first, before I answer your question, let me answer your question. Sosa Family Cigar Company permanently closing in Disney Springs. So, basically, the only cigar shop in Disney is closing. Uh, Yes, so it's not in any of the parks. So Disney Springs is like their nightlife venture. It's like the Universal City Walk kind of thing. It's so th- there's been a cigar shop there since they opened it back in I want to say the early 2000s or late 90s. It it originally was in this really cool round building right next to Raglan Road, which is the the Irish pub down there on the adult side, on the Pleasure Island side. And they they've, they had since moved into the more sort of retail space kind of thing. Right. And I didn't know how long ago that happened until this article, because uh, I pulled it up and I was like, wait, that's not the storefront I remember. And But I've smoked a cigar in this place. For, for being in the middle of a tourist property, you know, it's owned by Disney, but it doesn't have the same tobacco ban that, that you have, like, inside the parks or on the properties, like the hotels. But, you know, the prices were reasonable. The service was friendly and great. I, I'm, I'm surprised to see this going the way of the Dodo. Is it getting a little more coverage because it's the Sosa Family Cigar Company? Are they kind of... is Are more cigar... Are your cigar publications... I mean, obviously, World, Disney World News is going to cover anything right. with Disney in it, because yeah. that's all they got. The frozen head farts, they're writing about it. Right. But is um, is it getting more coverage in half-wheel aficionado and stuff like that because it kind of bolsters those case of cigars being a family business? Well, I, I think it's a couple of things, right? You know... 
Disney has been at the forefront of going tobacco-free on their campuses for a number of years. So I think the fact that there was still a tobacco-friendly establishment on one of their properties, even though it's not in the parks, I think that's noteworthy, right? Um, I also think that, you know, most cigar smokers who go on vacation, if they're if they're cigar smokers that have kids like like me, I don't really anticipate working a cigar into the itinerary any right. day I'm on vacation. But if it happens, I'm happy as can be. Yeah, right. it's the family atmosphere of Disney. Yeah, and what Disney is all about is not necessarily conducive to a cigar lounge. Yeah, but but also I'm thinking if I'm down there with my family and the opportunity presents itself for me to have a cigar, I'm, I'm going to be tickled pink. And I think this is, I think part of what makes this noteworthy or, or newsworthy rather is the fact that that's now going away. So if you want if you want to have a cigar during your you know family vacation down to the House of Mouse, you're going to have to plan for it. You know, now there are other cigar shops in the Orlando area. This is just park related. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Corona Cigars is down there in three locations and yeah. wonderful. If you go to the Salt Lake location, go across the street to the Italian joint there. They got a great Italian place yeah. there. Lots of good stuff going on there. As far as, there's plenty of cigars in Orlando. This mm. is not the end of cigars in Orlando. Right. Um, so, yeah, not to not to dig too deep on it. I've never been to Disney World. I don't have the urge. I uh, might like go to the Animal Kingdom, but I that would think, be as much as I would enjoy. I think you would enjoy it. I, I, I think you, if you didn't go to Magic Kingdom, if you or if you went like in October when there's no crowds, you didn't have to deal with everyone's crotch goblins running around. I think you could enjoy it, but I also. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you've got to go. Because I, I also know that there are other things you'd rather be doing. And, that, and, that's, probably, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, moving forward. From aficionado, Cohiba versus Cohiba, latest ruling issued in Cuba's favor. So General Cigars has Cohibas. Cuba has had Cohibas forever, and they've decided to fight a lawsuit over this. Who brought the original lawsuit? Was it... I, I assume it was Cuba. Um, I would think so. I, it wouldn't yeah, make no they, sense for... I mean, it wouldn't make sense for General to sue Cuba. No, it wouldn't. I, it, I just... It's... I, I, it makes me wonder what happened, that all of a sudden now is the time to start bringing this up. It seems silly and like a waste of the court's time. And if I was in charge of General Cigar... I would just say, okay, they're now Cohiba USA or American Cohibas. Well, I think the use of the name Cohiba at all is is what's under. Yeah, but I believe if you, I believe you could settle this pretty quickly by just saying, hey, we're going. Y'all have been banned in the United States forever. If we weren't selling this cigar, nobody'd know who in the heck you are. So why don't you just lay? Why don't you just calm yourself down? We'll call it Cohiba USA. Everybody will be fine. It also brings up the question, you know, we you see it happen all over Amazon. Someone comes up with a great product. 
And then someone in China goes, oh, I can figure out how that's made and I can, I can produce it for $30 cheaper. And now they're violating a patent or a trademark or both, but no one really cares because there's really no international patent law or, or trademark law. There, there's a certain understanding that I'm going to honor your trademark. You know, I'm not going to go down and start a car company called Renault. You know, but there's also no law in this country stopping me from doing it. Well, so I guess at what like does does Cohiba Cuban Cohiba really have a suit? Yeah, I've not, I've not thought about it that deep because the whole thing seems silly to I me. I can't imagine Cuban copyrights are protected in the by the U.S. No, copyright office. I can't either. It, to me, I mean, you know, there's there's really strong copyrights. You know, Kodak is a very strong copyright. Yeah. Um, Ritz crackers, things like that, and then there's those are the two you go for, Kodak and Ritz. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Not Coca Cola. Nah. No, it's Kodak and Ritz. <laughs> but my my bigger point being, I think this is a waste of the court's time, yeah. a waste of our time, and not going to spend. And I, if I was general, I would just say, hey, okay, we're going to call it Cohiba USA, or we're going to call it the cigar formerly known as Cohiba, or something. Yeah. And just and just you know, give them the middle finger and move on with life. As far as you know. The number one question that you see on 98% of Amazon products when the people are doing the yeah. little Q&A session, where's it made? Right. If I look and I see that question and the answer is China, I usually don't buy it. There's not going to be really a realm where I buy Chinese-made stuff because and it's not a political thing. It's most Chinese-made stuff is junk. See, so, it has that reputation, but, but even the stuff that has the brand name on it is is made in China. That's that's how a lot of this stuff gets out there in the, to begin with, is that someone contracts a Chinese manufacturer to make the name brand product. That's how they that's how they're able to reverse engineer it and start and just slap a different name on it. I guess so. I just it's it's just to me, it's like buying something at Walmart. I don't buy anything at Walmart that's not either a one-use or a throwaway item. Yeah. I'm not going to buy a heritage piece of anything oh, that no. they sell at Walmart. Yeah. It's just not going to be my deal. So, another quick story about politics. From Longview News Journal, Virginia bill seeks to lower cigar tax rate. Cool. Yeah, so Virginia, they've got about a 20% tax on cigars. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Tennessee, it's about 6%. And cigar retailers or manufacturers, retailers, everybody really noticed that because that was one of the big things at the show. Yeah, was people would see our our application and say, "Oh, you're in Tennessee, six percent." Yeah, that's because we're one of the lowest in the nation. I think Texas is the lowest in the nation. Uh, Florida, I think, unless they um, changed it recently. Just a second. South Carolina is at five point five. Alabama is at four point oh five cents, and Texas charges one point one cents. Okay. So Florida used to be zero. There used to be because back when there were more manufacturers, and I'm I'm going back 15, 20 years at this point, but theirs was zero, and it was how they were keeping people doing business in Florida. Right, they were able to to lower the tax. But yeah, burden. Georgia, Georgia, I remember was twenty nine percent when I lived there. So I guess my question is, um, 
what's the upside for a politician to bring this up? Is this just taking? Is this just uh, big tobacco cigars? Tobacco had took their Congress critter and let him loose and said, "Hey, we'd like to see if you can knock down that tax in Virginia." Is he actually concerned? What what's the what's the angle? I don't I haven't found the angle yet. I don't know what the angle is. I think you know if. Virginia at least used to be, I don't know if it still is, a a major producer of tobacco. And so depending on what party affiliation and what the makeup of his, the demographic that got him elected, if he's trying to get the tobacco farmers vote, this is a good way to do it. Because if the taxes on their product are less, then it's more is going to go into production and that's going to benefit them. It's also... If you are a, again, I don't know his party affiliate, but uh, assuming Republican, this becomes a sort of a, a, a tax break for the rich, perceived that way. Republican. Yep. So it, it also, you know, it also, something that I'm a big fan of is the fact that it reduces this idea that we should have to pay more or less tax on things that the government decides are healthy or unhealthy for us. Like, I, it, if you're going to make me pay 6% extra tax because what I'm buying happens to be a cigar, then I expect not to pay any tax on a cucumber. Like, but it never goes both ways, right? Oh, no, it never goes back down. It's, yeah. You know, it, it, there's never been a mistake made in the customer's favor that the government didn't take advantage of. So, I mean, I'm all for lowering taxes wherever we can. And I and I think, by and large, if, if you're looking for the Republican vote and you say, I'm going to try and lower any tax, most people are going to go, okay. Yeah. Hey, if you're looking for any votes, so he's, anybody should have the sense that if you're going to start lowering taxes. And it doesn't say that this is part of a package. I'm sure it probably but is. But you though. would think it would have to be part of an overall tax relief package, and w- this is something they... I wouldn't think it would be a big enough issue to warrant its own bill. Right, to do it just by itself. Yeah. So, But anyway, why don't we step away just a little bit early? Yeah, we're about right. And we'll come back. We've got to talk New Year's resolutions, and I'm ready for a deep dive. I'm ready. All Light right. your cigar and get ready for a deep dive. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from a man who won Christmas this year. <laughs> I am I am so tickled that you like that as, as much as I hoped you would. So Trey got me the best Christmas gift. Um, I can't say of the year because my wife did get me some really, really nice Christmas gifts. Yeah. But the best Christmas gift that someone I'm not sleeping with gave me this year <laughs> was given to me by Trey. Is that okay? Is that, That's fine. Does that, get, that keep me out of trouble? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Trey found for me the, and I'm picking it up. I don't know why. I don't know why I have to pick it up to talk about it, but That's I just want right. to look at it again. It's So the $6 million man versus Bigfoot was a big deal in the 70s. It was a mini-series. Uh, it was a special event uh, as part yeah, of the yeah. $6 million man franchise. And, the, of course, they got Andre the Giant to play Bigfoot. 
And you got me the action figure of Andre the Giant as Bigfoot from the $6 million man. This couples my love of Bigfoot, my love of wrestling, and my love of bad 70s television all (laughs) together. There's really, you couldn't hit any more bases than you hit with this one gift. That's out of the park. If that character had had antlers, would be the only way to take that. (laughs) Could have just, but well, if he had antlers, it'd it'd be be a a Wendigo. Yeah. And all you have you have a Wendigo then on your hands, and you don't want a Wendigo. But anyway, I just I'm very tickled to death that you got me that, and that's a, a most thoughtful, kind gift that I've received. Yeah, I have not done a deep dive down to the collectibles market in a long time. I've had my eye. I've had a couple of different alerts set up for one of those for over a year now, and I. You just you forget the things like going into the dark corners of eBay collectibles is a really that's a really funny place to be. It can get seedy. It it really can. But no, I was just glad that I was able to find one still in the box, and and I'm I'm tickled that you like it so much. Well, it's one of those things. I really want to touch it. I really want to know if the fur is fur or how they went about doing that. I need to smell it. And on things like that, but I'm not going to open it here in the cigar shop. Yeah. But, I, but you know, I'm sure the collectible junkies are like, don't never take them out of the package, never take them out of the package. I'm taking this and out of the package. Yeah. Now, I'll put it back in the package when I'm done. Right. But I got to touch it. There's yeah. no way that tactily I cannot not rub Bigfoot and see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, well, it may have been a bad way to phrase that. I'm certain it was. But anyway, so New Year, New Year's resolution time. I'll give you dealer's choice. Do you want to hear my resolution first, or do you want to get into the conversation about resolutions? Let's, Let's start with yours. My resolution this year is to clean my garage. Okay. And both physically clean my garage and spiritually kind of cleanse my garage. I had a feeling there was a part two to that. Well, my garage right now, I was thinking about this because, you know, everybody that's listened regularly knows New Year's resolutions, big deal for me. Yeah. And we'll get into why that matters a little bit later. But I was thinking, what's the one thing that would improve my life physically this year more than anything? And that is for my garage to be clean. Yeah. Because I've got so much stuff laying in my garage that does not bring me joy. Stuff that's kind of remnants of hopes or remnants of my past. You know, there's hunting stuff in there that I've already replaced with better stuff. Yeah. But I hate to sell it. Right. There's tools in there from when I built houses, but I'm not going back to building houses. And if I did, I'll... I'd, I'd, You'd buy new stuff. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous for me to keep a 20-year-old air compressor mm-hmm. for 364 days of the year for the one day of the year I might need it. Right. I can go to Home Depot and rent a brand new one cheaper. Yeah. So there's a lot of tools got to leave. There's a lot of old hunting stuff got to leave. There's a lot of stuff that... I've just accumulated that would that were when I was at the yard sale it looked like it'd be cool to have. There's a lot of that stuff that I'm going to be filtering through and pushing out of my garage this year. Now, what's your when you go through a, a garage purge? I'm about to be undergoing this same activity, and in fact, I've I've been trying to for for months now. Now, is your do you sell or donate or throw away? 
All three. Okay. So you've got a pile for each. Yeah, all, all three. And here's the hard part. I'm the kind of guy that what I want to do is just plow through it. I want right. to just say, okay, this weekend I'm not doing nothing else till this dang garage is clean. That's how I like to approach it. But I've tried that a couple of times, and I always lose my stamina. So the way I like to think about it is when you clean out a garage that way, it's a lot like the keto diet. The results are great, but you're just resigning yourself to getting back to that same point a year later. You know, it it, it has a rebound effect because there's not enough... There's not enough thought and consideration that goes into the plan for maintenance of, of keeping the garage in a condition that you want it to be in. Well, you know, I've got six big metal shelves in my garage. Right. And I'm going to take the first thing I'm going to do is clean out the floor. Yeah. Get everything off the floor. Then I'm going to pick out each shelf individually and do one shelf at a time. And when that shelf's done, I'm done for that day. Yeah. And then the next week, do another shelf. And just do it systematically like that. And so that it, like you said, so that it's not dieting. It's not, okay, I lost 100 pounds. Now I'm going to put it back on over the course of the next two years. And two years from now, I'm going to crash it again. And, you know, it, it's got to be a change in lifestyle. Yeah. Both in weight loss and cleaning your garage. So the other part is... There's some relationships in my life that I've grown past. There's some relationships in my life that are not bringing me joy. Man, I got you that present at the right time, didn't oh, I? Oh, yeah. You, you, you barely made the cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stuff going on in my life that's not bringing me joy that I'm still actively participating in. Yeah. And there's some stuff that is laying in there. You know, when I'm cleaning my garage, I'm sure I'm going to find a knife that should be in the safe. Right. And there's as I'm cleaning my relationship garage, I'm going to find relationships that, hey, I need to be spending a little more time with that person. I need to be yeah. putting a little more energy into that relationship. They've kind of, that relationship's been laying on my garage floor not hurting nothing, but not doing either of us any good. So I'm looking forward to that portion of it, too. There's going to be some 90-day suspensions handed out. Yeah. I'm not going to just cleave anyone from my life, but there's going to be some people receive a 90-day suspension where I say, okay, I'm not talking to you for 90 days. Don't care. I don't even want to hear about your funeral Right. for 90 days. And cleave that off for 90 days, and then at the end of 90 days, reevaluate, okay, did Have I, I miss right? Did I miss them? Do they value me more now that they know that I have no trouble cleaving them off? Is there because I've in my life I've cleaved off a couple of relationships just cold turkey, and I think I probably could have served them a ninety day suspension and saved some aspect of that. Yeah, fair enough. So that's my New Year's resolution as it is. What's yours? I don't have one this year. Um, you know, this, this past year was such a whirlwind of, and, and the joke that my wife and I made multiple times throughout the year was just, we were, we were just in survival mode for most of the year. You know, I mean, and that's not to say, like, we were really lucky. We've got a super easy kid. You know, he has not been, um, you know, but he has some food allergies that we were, you know, we were chasing 
for the first several months of his life and really only within the last two months actually got definitive answer on what he's allergic to and have been able to start making those adjustments to our life. Um, you know, so we, we're finally into a, a pretty good rhythm where we can start, you know, obviously less from a metaphorical sense, but getting, getting the garage and getting organization into my house. You know, last year we moved into this house and we gained an extra almost 700 square feet. And we're already out of room. Right. And it's not because we have that much stuff. It's because it's not well organized. You know, in fact, this morning, as a part of putting our Christmas decorations, I emptied four moving boxes that still had, they still had three things in them each, but they were taking up room in my attic, you know, and getting on, getting, getting my life set up in a way that's maintainable from, from a clutter standpoint and there will be some, there will be some, you know, mental clutter that comes with that. I'm sure, but really, it, it's about face value, the the physical nature of it. The one thing I will say that I remembered, um, at least for the next little bit, I don't know if this will be a whole year thing or, or or what. One of the things that Lane's allergic to is beef. Beef and eggs are the two big ones, and tree nuts, and and so that makes it really difficult. You know, we like chicken, but you can only eat so much chicken. Right. And I like pork, but pork, to me, requires a little bit more thoughtfulness in the sides that go with it. Because as a meat, it has its own distinct flavor, and you need to complement that flavor with your sides. You can't just have mac and cheese and corn on the cob. Right. It's a little tougher. Yeah. And you can kind of pair beef or chicken with anything, but pork kind of requires more thought. Yeah. So our meals now have to be a little bit more considered. And so one of the things that we're committing to is eating one meatless meal a week. And I know you're going to give me some grief about <laughs> I know <laughs> that's only a matter of time. And it's not, it's not for anything other than just to make it a little bit you know there are so many vegetarian and vegan recipes out there that aren't just carbon copies of meat based dishes because I hate that I, if, if you want a vegan hot dog just just eat the hot dog like no one's right. it, you know it's already in the package the animal's already been slaughtered you're not contributing to factory farming just if you want a hot dog eat a hot dog don't veganify it but there are things like one of my favorite foods is falafel and so we made that for dinner the other night. And so kind of cleaning up our eating a little bit, getting better about having veg- more vegetables and, and not being so dependent on, on meat. Well, if you like the Indian spice palette, vegetarian becomes a lot easier. Which we do a lot. If you're like me and the Indian spice palette is abhorrent, then it becomes harder. It would be harder for me to look down the barrel of that kind of commitment. Yeah, and and also because it makes it, it, and it's not even like there's more vegetables at play. It's just there's more protein-based vegetables like chickpeas and things like that. Because I I have no doubt you could go to Cracker Barrel and get a plate of greens and corn and, and just vegetables and be happy. Eh, I wouldn't go as far as say happy, but I could survive. But you you like vegetable. It's not a vegetable aversion is, right. what, is the point I'm getting at. Um, but it's about being able to have that protein with it. Well, the other... So, as we talk about these things, one of the more interesting aspects of my business this last year has been the number of houses that are going to carports. 
Really? Number of half million dollar and above houses that are building carports rather than garages. Because they know they're never going to park the car in the garage because it's going to get filled up with stuff. Right. So many people have come to the conclusion that I am not capable of keeping a clean garage that they've went ahead and went to carport. And I mean, these aren't just first time home buyers. These aren't, you know, these are high end, high end yeah. houses. And the carport makes a lot of sense because also it gives you a party space when it rains. Right. You can just back the cars out. and Or a smoking place. I used to, back when we had a carport at the old house, I used to go out there and smoke when it was raining. Yeah. So the But the carport is really making a comeback, architecturally speaking. I can, I can see that. Well, the thing is, the question is, is the appraisal market ever going to catch up to it? Basically, a carport costs you the same amount of money to build as a garage. Right. You really don't save a nickel building a carport over a garage. But you do take a hit on the appraisal. But, yes, the appraisal appraises it much differently. I wonder, thinking for myself, now, we're not building a house anytime soon, but I also know that we are the kind of people that are not capable of keeping a garage clean enough to park cars in it. But doing a a garage of sorts but have one of the bays where the door faces the back wall. I do a lot of that. I do a lot of them with for, the garage for the mower and mm-hmm. and so you've got a so you've got that access but it's not it's it's designed for storage for that well, reason. Well, and a lot of times that that goes hand in hand with when there's a swimming pool back there. Yeah, that makes sense. But okay, we're chasing a rabbit. Sorry, yeah, I had right. to chase a rabbit. So, why make a new year's resolution? Um Listening to Dennis Prager this morning on one of his fireside chats really kind of stirred up a lot of these thoughts in my head. Making a New Year's resolution is you looking at yourself and saying, okay, what can I do better? Is that an accurate? I think the New Year's resolution is the introspection equivalent of getting drunk on St. Patrick's Day. Your average person needs an excuse to go out and get drunk on a Thursday night. But, so, so it becomes, if you're not the kind of person that comes upon introspection naturally throughout the course of the year, then I think there's a lot of value in setting some time aside and it being sort of a, a, sort of a, a cultural phenomenon. I, I don't really get into the... New Year's resolution thing because I spend a lot of my time in introspection throughout the year anyway. And I make I make subtle adjustments throughout the year. And and I find that I'm more likely to keep on track with those things than trying to make a big change all at once. Well, I know you, so I know I'm. So I want you to know I'm not talking about you right. in this. But we've had this discussion in the shop a couple of times now as we've been coming up on New Year's. What's your New Year's resolution? And to me, that's the. And this is not the case right. for you because I know right. you're speaking the truth. But 
the biggest cop-out that people take on that is, oh, I don't have to wait till New Year's to change my life. I don't have to wait till New Year's to do something better. I don't have... That's just a cop-out that it, it is. so many people use to say... I mean, just be honest. Just say, eh, I don't care. I, don't, I think I'm perfect the way I am. I don't plan well, to change. So that's... So my response, and, and you kind of have to know the person pretty well, is, okay, what were some of the adjustments that you made this year? Okay, like if that's... I'm, because if I'm talking to somebody about New Year's resolutions, I'm not just curious about what your resolution is. I'm trying to learn a little bit more about you, right? Like that's a very personal conversation. It's like asking how many times you poop a day. Like it, it's a really... For people that consider and put a lot of thought into their resolution, it's a really personal conversation. So the, yeah, so the follow-up there is always, okay, that's great. What were some of the things that you resolved to change this past year and did? Yeah, I usually just write them off as an uninteresting person and move on. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, but... But you might be surprised that people go, actually, I cut out caffeine. Right. Or I did, the, you know, little things like that. The other part of this is introspection is such a double-edged sword. Because how deep do you dig in your life before you unearth something best left covered? See, this was one of the statements that you made when we were doing the prep for the show, and I immediately said, let's talk about the show, because I personally don't believe that there's anything that should remain covered. I think if there's a facet of your personality that is so well hidden that even you don't know about it, that's, that's, that's concerning. No, we all have, we all have horrible thoughts. Yeah. We all have horrible aspects of our nature. And, there, you know, we go back to feeding what wolves do you feed. Right. And when I speak of digging so deep that you uncover something that was be- that's best left covered, there's certain parts of everybody, don't care who it is, I guarantee you, Mother Teresa had something buried in the back of her mind that she didn't need dug up. But that's what, I mean, that's what professionals, and that's what therapy is for. And there are, there, because there's nothing that can be, bit, are there negatives that can come from uncovering that sort of thing? Sure. But only if you just uncover it and leave it at that. But I guarantee you, taking the time to unpack it and explore it and kind of figure out where it's coming from and come up with ways to navigate that aspect of your personality is going to have far more benefits than just leaving it covered up. We probably have to disagree to disagree because there's some aspects of my of my innermost psyche that the best thing I can do with them is act as if they don't exist. Because, you know, in my... A good example. In my life lately, there's been some turmoil about some stuff, and I'm not going to bore right. the podcast listeners with it. But I feel I had grounds for a righteous anger. Uh-huh. I had a righteous anger in my life. And I've, I actually was deep in the throes of it the other day and realized... I think I may have overindulged in this. That even though I have every right to be angry, yeah. and every even though no one would ever fault me for the amount of anger I feel on these issues, I may have overindulged myself in this this anger. Yeah, but now you have now you can identify when you're doing that the next time. 
in the heat of the moment, it's very hard. It can be, but the more experience you have with it, it's just it's practice, just like anything else. And there's I, and there's a go ahead. Well, I was just saying there, we're we're dancing around a specific scenario, which I happen to know some of the details on, and and so maybe it's probably just not the best topic of conversation for this format, and because it, it, it's kind of hard to describe knowing the specifics, but trying not to to air the laundry on well. There. Everybody's had a righteous anger moment. Yeah. Everybody can identify with, at this moment, I was wronged, and I have the right to be angry. But I think when it, the deeper it goes, the easier it is to overindulge yourself in that anger. It absolutely is. Now, the 12-step program has some really great things to say on this, which is, you know, talking about, you know, for when when we start looking at transgressions either us against others or other, others against us one of the things is when you have these resentments against other people because they've wronged you is to take a step back and to analyze what was my role in it you know why did this affect me what what part of my psyche was affected you know was it my right. ego was it my sense of worth was it whatever and then what role did i play into it did i feed too much into it did i did I stay silent too long, hoping it would go away so that the resentment built up internally till it blew up, you know? And then it outlays a framework for how we address that both internally and make our own peace with it and also approach others and help make peace with them. In many cases, that person may not have known, even known they wronged you. I've long said I think everybody could benefit from a 12-step program because it really has little to do with abstinence. The overarching program has little to do with abstinence from a substance and has more to do about understanding why we think the way we do. And and so, I, I, I yeah, I, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree because I say there's there's... If you take it as a learning opportunity and try to grow from it, there's nothing that's only bad about the scenario. But... You can learn about it, understand it, then bury it back down and be done with it. I guess burying it is probably not as good a... Probably lay it down would be a little better. Lay it down, yeah, because I I don't take exception with that. It's the burying it, burying our feelings and our emotions and and our drivers and things like that, I think is always bad. But if you talk about put it aside, it's the forgive and forget nature. Right. If put it aside and walk past it, I'm all for that. Yeah, and I think that's more what I'm heading toward than actual burying it, is that there's some stuff in your life that you've laid aside that you felt like you've been forgiven for and you've let it go. Yeah. But it's okay not to ever think about that again. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, no. I can get on board with it that way. Okay. Glad we got that hashed out. Let's talk about some more cigars. All right. But make a New Year's resolution, everybody. And hey, Guess what? It don't matter if you succeed or not. It don't really matter if next year at this time my garage is still dirty. The fact that I've went in there and put the effort into it will give me far more rewards than whether or not I succeed. How many things in our life do we succeed with 100% efficiency and accuracy every single time we go after it? Even the most experienced hunter misses a shot. Yeah. You know, just I was, because you just because you don't go to the gym on the 10th doesn't mean it all is lost. Get in there on the 11th. I had a um, young man in here the other night I was sharing a cigar with, and we were talking about he's at a stage in his life when marriage is 
he can see it coming over the hill. The girl, nice girl. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's a stab. They're both over, both over 33. So they're both at a stage in their life where getting married makes sense. Yeah. And he's and he's kind of was there in the circle, and he said, "Okay, what would you? What advice would you give someone that's just about to get married?" And I said, "Here's my piece of advice for you: ninety-eight percent of the fights you have don't matter." Yeah. <laughs> At the time, they'll seem like the most important thing in the world, but ninety-eight percent of those fights really ain't going to matter. You're just fighting them. Right. <laughs> You're not really. So always remember that to, to, to wrap up a fight. Think about how much does that actually matter in the grand scheme of things? If you're, if, have you heard about the term gentle parenting? No. At all. It, it's kind of a buzzword these days. And it basically, there's a, it, it's a complicated concept, but let's say it boils down to you know, most parents, our parents growing up, the default answer was no unless you could convince them for a reason to say yes, right? And basically, the alternate here is now, let your default answer to your kids be yes, unless you have a legitimate answer for why it should be no. And it's kind of changing that framework. I would say when it comes to fights in a relationship, it's that same kind of thing. Like, Oh, yeah. And we'll, and we'll have a conversation about no mode. Yeah. About people that live their life in, in no, no mode. mode. And how that works, but that's we definitely don't have enough time left no. in the podcast okay. to have that conversation. So I'm gonna skip ahead and I'm gonna do the one article that I the cigar that I'm actually looking forward to coming out. It surprises me. I you don't smoke much LFD these days anymore. I'm surprised that you're looking forward to this. Um no, I actually probably smoke more LFD than I used to. Oh, okay. I smoked a chisel the other day, an Oro chisel. I guess I just don't spend as much time with you as smoking as we well, used to. Yeah, and there's a better selection of LFD here at this shop than the other shop ever had. Fair enough. And But La Flor Dominicana, TAA, the Golden Solomon, begins shipping. So, a, and the, the I'm assuming Golden Solomon, that means it's going to be the Oro blend from like would, the Oro. I would guess. The Oro tubo and the Oro chisel, which is a wonderful blend. If you've not, if you, if your shop gets them in and you see the Oro tubo and the Oro chisel in there, Go ahead and drop the extra couple of bucks and pick you one up. You won't regret it. it. It's a few more dollars than a standard LFD, but well, well worth the money. And these are going to be Solomon's, one of my favorite shapes. So these are going to come out to select TAA stores. I'm going to have to... My best shot of a TAA cigar is to watch Corona Cigars' website. Yeah, That's really my best shot because we don't really have a local TAA store here that we can get involved with. But they're going to be 7 by 64 Solomons. Wow. That's a big cigar. That's a big stick. Now, at a price tag of $35 each, that, yeah. that softens that blow just a little. Yeah, a little bit. You know, when you have that, that kind of just softens that but blow But a special down. edition, that much tobacco, a specialty shape. That, price, I know this is going to sound silly coming from me, but it's really not a bad price. That's Yeah, actually, that, you know, well, you're smoking a $60 cigar. Yeah. <laughs> Which we'll, which we'll review here in a moment. Yeah. But, you know, there's only going to be 700 boxes made of the Maduro and 400 boxes of the Natural. And it's going to come out. But I'm, I'm kind of excited for this cigar. I'm looking forward to securing one of these. I'm going to have to put a little shoe leather on it, put a little effort into securing one of these because I think this would be a great smoke. Yeah. And also, all right, I'll start. Uh, you know, the Leafs, the Leafs are good. Six, five and a half, six. Um, 
it's a good workhorse stick. Yeah. It's well-priced. It's consistent. It's got enough flavor in it to keep you interested. It's not going to knock you down. Um, just a good, and I guess I'm partial to the leaf because I told my wife, I said, will you find a cigar that's not a special edition that you like that I can buy you on a regular basis? Because she was the queen for a while of finding special editions and falling in love with them and me having to search far and wide to try to find them. Yeah. So this was the one she picked, and I thought that was a great choice on her part and was very, very happy with that. But, yeah, it's a six. I'll give it a six. All right. I'm conflicted here. So I I can say a few things. Okay, but hold on. Are you conflicted because you don't want to give me the satisfaction? No, no, no. Oh, okay. All right, no. just thought I'd check. I'm conflicted because we've always said that in order for a cigar to be a seven, it has to be the best in the line. And I'm tempted to give this a seven, but I've all obviously already given the Alma Fuerte. You know, this being a special edition, I think we can make special concession for. But... And I, I'm I'm conflicted for that reason, and and that's taking price out of it, right? Because this is three times the cost of that Alma Fuerte. It's good, it's very very good. I will say this about it: it is absolutely without a doubt the best cigar I've ever smoked that includes Honduran tobacco, because I'm generally not a fan. I'm trying to put my finger on some of the tasting notes, and I'm. I'm having a really hard time not sounding like a pompous jerk because I taste parsnip and I taste like I taste these really specific flavors and they're balanced really well. It's you know it it it's it's like a pot roast meal. It feels good. It it's got a great mouth feel. The draw's been perfect. The amount of smoke it pulls off has been great. It's smoked even all the way down, and the flavor's been consistent. There haven't been a whole lot of changes. I'm actually on a fresh palate today. As much as I really wanted a cigar on the way down here, I wouldn't let myself do it. I, yeah, the only, in comparing it to the Alma Fuerte, they are very different in flavor profile. So I, yeah, I think I have to give this a seven. You're the only person that I've seen smoke that that thought it was even remotely that good. So everybody else that has smoked it that I've talked to has said, eh, it's good. Everybody else paid $65 for theirs. True. I'm in a unique position where I can taste it without feeling the impact to my wallet. That's true. If you had paid $65 for it, do I you probably think you wouldn't could? be. No, I don't, I don't think I would. But, you know, and we've had this conversation before. I don't know if on the show or not, probably. I don't know that there's a cigar. Like, what's the price point above which it couldn't possibly be that good? And I feel like that's about 30 bucks. You know, yeah, I feel, I feel, we'll say 40 for the sake of, for the sake of whatever above anything above 40, there's no way it can be good enough to be worth that. Especially when you consider that the Padron's in the $20 range, the Alma Fuerte's in the $20 range. So perfection in cigars exists at $20. So it, to, to increase your expectations to go up to 65 or a hundred or whatever, I think is unrealistic. And so, yeah, taking price point out of it, 
It's a phenomenal cigar. If I had paid $65 for it, I'd probably be a little disappointed. But I also don't know... There would have been no justification to my expectations being that high. Right. There's there's no way it can perform for $65. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that, pretty much that's been the consensus in here is... Uh, it's just there's no way this is worth $65. That's been one of the things coloring people's judgment of that cigar yeah. to a great degree. So... Anyway, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast, Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast, and email info at the cigarcast.com. Thanks everybody for listening. Until next time, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.